Welcome to Polly's Playoff. This is a potathon that was previously recorded for the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's. Polly's Playoff is a tournament to end Alzheimer's. Please enjoy and donate at the link provided. Josh, welcome to the Polly's Potathon. We appreciate you coming on. Um, the <clears throat> excuse me, the first question I have for you. Mm-hmm. Is is Alzheimer's something that has affected you um, and your family personally, or is it just something that you wanted to uh, get involved with helping out? Uh, mostly, I just like being able to use like my platform and just any way we can have fantasy football, football betting intertwined with charitable causes. I'm always for it. I think ultimately, like the the way that people don't donate to stuff is when they're like, "Oh, it sounds boring," or Oh God, charity. And I think for those people, if you reframe it, involve something like fantasy football, they're exponentially more likely to take note of the cause to donate. So I have, I have had family members suffer from Alzheimer's, but for me, it's much more about, I think using vessels like fantasy football that are fun and helping people realize that like you're, you're legally allowed to have fun and donate to charity and raise awareness at the same time. And I think that, that just, completely broadens who is willing to participate so i think fantasy football is just one of the best ways out there for that that is a great point that should be recorded so that it can be played back so people (laughs) never miss that because i i completely agree with you um but now why don't we talk about what you do in the fantasy landscape and uh, where people can find your content. So you can find everything that I do on the 33rd team.com. I, I joined the, the 33rd team uh, May, June ish of last year. I'd been at primarily player profiler for almost half a decade. And what was really intriguing to me about the 33rd team is I always wanted to lead a fantasy betting DFS department one day. I felt like I I have some some unique takes on on management styles and kind of how to assemble a good roster of contributors, full-timers, etc. And I feel like a lot of what I saw from other companies in the space seemed like there were clearly like holes in the way that they were advertising to people, the type of content they'd put out. And I, I felt like I had a some slightly different ideas on how to kind of make like a complete product essentially for a gambling site for football. So kind of living the dream in a, in a sense where building it out, hiring the the team behind it. So I'd say like now, now that we're a little over a year in to the, the gambling department as a thing here, my day-to-day is a mix of obviously social media promotion. That's how a lot of people know me is they're just like, Oh, you're on, you're on Twitter a lot. You're promoting your work, your team's work, et cetera. Uh, I have an analytics background. That's how I originally started at player profile. It was just doing a lot of coding behind the scenes for Matt Kelly while I was in grad school. So still do some coding and research. I think that's kind of one of my edges with my content is I, I am not the, the greatest football mind out there, but I'm not half bad at knowing the game and I'm not half bad at coding about it. And talking about it so some coding some research uh the the content and general strategy for the department and where we want to take the company 
having my hands on a lot of the, the tools and modules we're developing and kind of strategically overseeing that. And then there's just people management when you lead a remote team of 20 people. There's its own interesting challenges that you have to try and figure out because at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot easier to manage people if they're all just sitting in one or two rooms in an office building as opposed to being in four time zones across the U.S. So that's kind of like a little taste into the, the day-to-day. I'd say right now I'm just doing a lot of fantasy rankings. It's apparently fantasy football season now that it's August. So yes, uh, full sir. rankings for free on the site. Write-ups for every player coming out by the end of this week. Nice. I like it. 33rd team. Make sure to support. And today, it looks like we are talking differences in draft strategies. This is what I have on the sheet. Is that what you were prepared for? Yeah. I, when I talked with Shane, he was like, we should discuss the difference between best ball, redraft, and then also weave in a little bit of dynasty talk and how they all play off of each other. So uh, I thought that was a great idea just because I'm I'm a huge blend guy when it comes to how can we take different things we know or are good at and then merge them together to get better. So it felt like a, like a good thing to discuss. Awesome. Because we have a question and maybe this can kick us off. Um, but Marco from the future says in a best ball super flex league, it's probably best to draft a QB first question mark. It's my first time playing in that kind of league. He says in a net in a, after Shane Hallam had asked him if he knew where he was picking, he said that he did not. Um, here are the settings. It's a 12-team league with four flexes, one super flex spot, and five IDP flexes. That is all that he knows so far. So, Josh, do you have any advice for Marco on how to mm-hmm. approach and prepare for this draft since he is new in the, the best ball scene? I'll put up the original um and can flip mm-hmm. back and forth if you need to to see those again. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's flip to the other one where it goes okay. into the league setting. So Marco from the future will talk to you in the current present. So congrats! It's good. It sounds like a fun league that you entered. Well done. Uh, I I would not put a hard and fast rule down that you need a quarterback with your first pick. Here's here's what I would say is a good rule for something like this. I try and have two quarterbacks by within about four rounds. Essentially, the only way that your team is guaranteed dead in this format, since anytime we draft, we want to make sure our team's not dead. Uh, you you want to make sure that you have some kind of quarterbacks. If if you look at your quarterback room when the draft is finished, and it's Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, and C.J. Stroud, you are not winning this league. Like I I don't I couldn't say it any more concretely than that. Like if that that is like what you're rolling with, you will not win the league. So we want to avoid that. That's why I think getting two quarterbacks in those first four rounds helps us out. Like it's a lot easier if you're like through two rounds, I have Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa or whatever. It's like, great. Like that, that's a core we can work with, can build around it. Like I have Justin Herbert and Matthew Stafford. I'm like, all right, we can work around that. We, We need a little more, but it's close. So I'd say like two in the first four rounds because there's the four flexes and five IDP flexes we're starting a lot of players each week. That's actually going to devalue quarterback. If this was a starting fewer spots, I'd say like, yeah, you just have to take a quarterback in round one. Like we want to set ourselves up for success in your first league. 
here's how I'll explain like the the super basic logic behind why like four flexes, five IDPs, why this is not like we have to hammer home, and, I guess, and super flex, why we have to hammer home quarterback round one. Let's say that I, I make a league format and it is start one quarterback, one running back, one receiver, and one super flex. That is as basic as we could get. Quarterback, running back, receiver, super flex. I mean, my God, quarterback is half your roster. Half your starting players each week are quarterback. You need quarterback, but let, let, let's count them up. So I don't actually know. Let's say we'll start. We're, we'll, we'll assume two receiver, two running back, and one tight end. That is two receiver, two running back, one tight end. We've got five quarterback super flex. We're at seven. Four flex. We're at 11. Five IDP. We're at 16. Two quarterbacks out of 16 slots. Two divided by 16 is one eighth. Quarterback is one eighth of your starting lineup. Therefore, we should not get too crazy. Yes, they score a lot of points. But I'd say uh, let's get two through four rounds. The, and, and that's a great point because uh, I want to bring up a league that I just started. Uh, and we drafted in July. And we're doing one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, a super flex. And then we have seven flexes. So we're starting 12 players each week and that was one of the points that i said is that i don't know that the second quarterback is as important in this league and this is new to me playing that deep with that many starters um and with having the flex um spots instead of Mm -hmm. being forced to start two running backs or three wide receivers or whatever that may be um i would like to get your thought on that a little bit but marco does want to know if he gets the first pick is it Pat Mahomes in that format for you? Uh, I would take Jalen Hurts. I have Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes in my tier one, but I, I'd take jo- uh, Jalen Hurts. He, he runs more than the other two. He has the best supporting cast. When you look at the Eagles with a top three offensive line, with a top three wide receiver duo in A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, and a top 10 tight end in Dallas Goddard. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what more you could want from a quarterback that runs 10 times a game and has potentially the best overall football supporting cast in the entire game. So Jalen Hurts was like 0.1 fantasy points per game behind Josh Allen for QB1 last year, and he didn't play in the fourth quarter because they were blowing people out because their schedule was so easy. If you look at fantasy points through the first three quarters last year, Jalen Hurts averaged more than 21 fantasy points a game through three quarters. That puts him on a pace for over 28 fantasy points a game. It would actually put him on pace to tie Lamar Jackson's historic 2019 season when he scored the most fantasy points per game. Essentially, Jalen Hurts has this ridiculous floor and this ridiculous ceiling. I would take him over Patrick Mahomes. I love that as somebody that got Jalen Hurts at number three in Polly's playoff this morning when my draft started. I love to hear that. Um, and then he did say it's one QB, two running backs, three wide receiver, and then four wide oh, receiver. So it's 19, 17 spots. Yeah. Quarterbacks are two of 17. It's less than one and eight. Yeah. Huge. Um, okay. So let's get into the different draft strategies that you have for 
best ball to redraft and throw in dynasty a little bit. I don't know how you want to start this off, so I'm just going to let it let it go to you and you control the conversation. Sure, we'll start off uh, we'll we'll weave dynasty in at the end. That's definitely more different. I think we'd all agree than anyone mm-hmm. who's played all three. I think we'd all agree redraft and best ball are more similar. For those unfamiliar with best ball, think of it as you draft a team and then the each week the computer chooses who you start and sit after games have finished. So if if I have a a one QB best ball team and I have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen on it, whoever scores more fantasy points that week is my starter. Whoever scores fewer fantasy points gets benched. Same thing with uh, the running back, receiver, tight end, etc. So with best ball, what you really want to do is like you're gonna have to do a volume play at certain positions. Like if you don't have like if you, if you're in a one quarterback league and you took Mahomes or whatever, you probably don't need to also then take an Allen or something because you're like cool. Each week, my 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 quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. He's probably scoring a lot of points that week. When you take a quarterback early, like you might have a position like running back, and you're like ooh ooh, if I went zero RB, that's fine. Zero RB can work. Just draft like seven of them or eight of them. And each week, the computer takes the two that it likes best based on final scores and starts them. So anyone that that's thinking about this is like, yeah, that does sound a little bit like redraft, except no start sets. The, the big difference that I always like to stress is in redraft, bad receivers don't matter. Ever. I, I am like, we, when would I ever, like, we're always trying to get first place in our leagues. When would I ever start Romeo Dobbs in a fantasy football league where I'm trying to get first place? Why would I even draft him? Jordan loves second or third or maybe even fourth passing option. Never going to start him. But then if you ask me a different question, you said, Josh, do you think Romeo Dobbs is going to have a 15 fantasy point week? I would say he's probably going to have two or three of them. Best ball. Hello. He gets his 15 fantasy point week. Great. The computer throws him in your lineup. That might matter if you don't have a lot of wide receiver depth. And you went running back early. Romeo Dobbs is going to start for you some weeks. But in redraft, you will never, ever start that player. He shouldn't even be on your fantasy bench. Your fantasy bench should be backup running backs. Because what if the starter gets hurt? Now you're starting that backup running back. So I think that is the single biggest strategy difference is that the these random receivers are so crucial in basketball to understand how that works. And in redraft, I'm like, hey, you couldn't pay me enough to to draft Romeo Dobbs right now in a managed league. Like, I, I don't see what the upside is. So that, that's how I'd frame it is like, do I think he's going to have a few 15-point weeks? Yes. Do I think he's going to average like seven fantasy points a game? Also, yes. Best ball, love the spike weeks. Redraft, we want the fantasy points per game. Yes, that is a beautiful, beautiful way to describe that. You do such a You do such a good job of articulating all of this in a way that I would be fumbling around and, and whatnot. So I appreciate that. So thank you. Um, where do you want to take this next? Uh, I think we can start to weave dynasty in now. So a lot of people are like, when, when it's dynasty, like ignore redraft. That's what a lot of people say. They're like, Oh, you want to start? You want to, you want to play in a dynasty league first? Forget everything you've ever learned about redraft. This is you're playing dynasty now. 
And I think that's one of the, the worst pieces of advice you could ever get because uh, we should think about everything like a market. And I think looking and knowing about redraft makes you exponentially better at dynasty. The more you play dynasty and uh, you might say, well, like, what do you mean? Well, let's, let's start talking about a few things. Well, first off with dynasty, everyone's always like, you want to, you want to draft young players because old players, they age and they get bad. And the worst thing you can have is a win now dynasty roster where everyone ages out and then you're just stuck and you're like, wow, my, my receiving core is DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas and other extremely old players. Maybe some of them are out of the league. So yes, like you, you want to skew younger in dynasty, but I think being good at redraft makes you really good at dynasty because you can one spot holes in the market. What I, I actually wrote an article on the 33rd team earlier this year about it. Uh, Cam Akers goes way ahead of Khalil Herbert in redraft. Anyone that's drafted this year knows that. Cam Akers goes way ahead of Khalil Herbert in best ball, in redraft leagues. But in Dynasty, at one point, people routinely wanted Khalil Herbert over Cam Akers. And I was like, I think Khalil Herbert's pretty good at football. I would never draft him ahead of Cam Akers in Dynasty because they're the same age. And one of them goes like four rounds earlier in redraft. What, what is going on here? If they're the same age and, and the redraft community has decided one guy looks way better this year, what the heck am I doing? Playing the long game with random running backs? Like, are you kidding me? No, I should, I should want Cam Akers ahead of him, Dynasty. Khalil Herbert is undraftable at this point. They, though those consensus things have started to flip a little bit, maybe partly because of that article, maybe partly people come to their senses, but that's really good stuff that we can actually do is just simply looking at players that are similar enough in age and have wildly different redraft ADPs, but often go together in Dynasty. I, I simply don't understand when those two are identical. Like uh, Garrett Wilson right now, he is apparently the consensus, like if you go to keep trade cut, he's the consensus Dynasty wide receiver three. I love Garrett Wilson. That is an outrageous price tag to pay. You can get like two to three rounds later in a startup, Chris Olave, and they go like four to six picks apart in redraft. How am I supposed to value Garrett Wilson way better in Dynasty if the redraft communities decided they're basically the same guy in year two and they're also the similar ages? Makes no sense. So I, th I think looking at Dynasty is a, a market to funnel into your redraft takes and vice versa is an incredible tool. And then the other thing is I, I hinted at earlier, number two for Dynasty, simply draft young players. The, the best way to ensure your roster is dead if you don't win in year one is if you take old players. I like drafting young players early and old players late. If you really want win-now production in Dynasty, grab Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen goes so late in a Dynasty startup, yet he's a third or fourth round redraft pick. That is the kind of guy where you're like, awesome. Didn't cost me anything. I can still win my league this year. Versus someone like Devontae Adams, who probably scores more fantasy points than Keenan Allen this year, but I'm not even certain that's true. Devontae Adams, you're going to have to pay up like the fourth round of a dynasty startup. I, Adams is about to turn 31. He's playing with Jimmy Garoppolo, who probably stinks. Uh, I don't trust Niners quarterbacks leaving that system. Generally doesn't go very well. Devontae Adams might be bad this year. Whereas in the same range, you can take someone like 
a little bit earlier, like a Chris Olave, where if Chris Olave doesn't have a good year, which Devontae Adams might not have a good year, whatever, Chris Olave is like 24. He's got a ton of value. We loved his rookie season. Whereas Adams, he has a bad season. He's Julio Jones. He's falling off the cliff. He's about to retire. He's done. And uh, that is exactly what you don't want on your dynasty team. So anyone that's doing startups, if you really like veteran production, find the guys that go extremely late who are early redraft picks, like uh, Keenan Allen, like a DeAndre Hopkins. The Devontae Adams, the Cooper Cup, that is exactly the, the dynasty pick you don't want to make because if they have a bad season, dynasty value tanks and you wasted an early pick. Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins is a bad season. Dynasty value can't even tank because it's already tanked and whatever, you took them really late. So I'd say in my dynasty startups, I go youth. I truly don't care about winning in year one. If I win in year one, that's awesome. I have no interest in winning in year one. One thing I have actually found is that making a win later dynasty roster all often almost wins in year one. I, I did a startup last year. I nearly won the league this past year because I went with a win later approach where I had Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson as my first two running backs taken. And I was like, I think they're going to pop next year. Well, I was wrong. They both popped last year. I finished second in the league and invested nothing into those players. But I knew that that was a better profile than taking like a 28-year-old Dalvin Cook like six rounds earlier in the startup. We all saw what happened to Dalvin Cook. His, his value tanked. That can't really happen with some of the players that are a little bit younger. It either kind of stays the same or it skyrockets. So Dynasty, always, always, always skew towards the younger player. Let that be your tiebreaker. Anytime you're on the clock through the first six or seven rounds, if you don't know who to pick and you're looking at two guys, check their age and take the younger one. I, I think that's the, the best way that you can set yourself up for success because new people join Dynasty Leagues and they draft well and they draft a young team. Even if they don't do well that year, they learn about Dynasty and then heading into year two, they're like, cool, my team looks pretty good. This is fun. If you draft a really old team, and you don't do well in year one because you don't understand Dynasty, then suddenly your team is worthless and you're just looking at old junky receivers and running backs that are free agents like Zeke, Dalvin Cook. You go, oh my God, why? I hate Dynasty. This is terrible. My team sucks for years to come. And we're going to try and avoid that. So always skew towards the younger players. And to reiterate the last point, look at redraft ADP and Dynasty ADP. Age adjust and use that as a nice little market to see where Dynasty or Redraft is over or undervaluing certain players, often pretty egregiously. That is a great point. And here, real quick, I want to get your uh, perspective on, and if you if you play any of these Dynasty best ball leagues, if we combinate, uh, throw a combination of those in, mm -hmm. do you approach that? any differently than you do just a regular dynasty or regular best ball. I have not played in a dynasty best ball league before. I've had a few of them where we've talked about, I think I'm in 12 leagues. We've talked about switching a couple of them. Best ball that will happen one day. I really wouldn't fundamentally change my strategy. Like maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And if I was in one, I'd be like, Oh, there's so many differences. Top of my head. I really don't see that many differences. You're still going to want to aim for youth. Uh, like the, the only real difference I could think of is like, you can 
you can really fade running back if it's best ball. I'm thinking about it for dynasty. What I would do if I was like, uh, I'm putting myself in the shoes. If I was in a dynasty startup, that was best ball. I don't think I draft a running back for like six or seven rounds at least. And then I would just take every single backup running back known to man. And that would be my roster. Because if I don't have to make start sit decisions, then I just want every single dude who might pop off. Like I take a few receiving backs and every now and then like they get a lot of receiving work. And I take the touchdown dependent backs where every now and then they get their touchdown and they enter my lineup. So I'm thinking through it. I probably build through quarterback and receiver, which I already do in general in dynasty startups, but I think even more if it were best ball, simply because I don't even need to care about who I'm starting week one at running back. Let's just throw 10 of them out there and see which two of them score the touchdown, catch four passes, whatever it might be. Starter gets injured. So I, I think that's the, the one wrinkle as I'm thinking about it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're fading running back in a dynasty best ball startup. Yeah, I think uh, to that point, I'm in one of those that we started last Mm -hmm. year, and my thought process going in was I want one really, really good quarterback, and then I'm willing to take some of those back-end quarterbacks that I wouldn't typically be looking at, but I'm going to get two or three of those uh, for a lot cheaper, but I want as many shots at wide receivers, high-end wide receivers as possible, because I want the boom week and we're more likely to get a 35, 40-point week out of a wide receiver than we are out of any other position. So I'll take the high-end quarterback and then a bunch of high-end, as many high-end receivers as I can get, and then take a ton of shots on those backup, second, third-tier running backs that you're talking about. And so, like, Algier was one that was big for me last year. Um so I, I definitely agree with what you were saying there. That's the exact approach that I took in my first one. I ended up finishing mm-hmm. second, so I didn't win it. But it was uh, the running back space is just just take what you get and, mm-hmm. and take everybody else's backups. And then when their big high-dollar running backs don't perform or get injured, they're in a, in a real bad spot, and you're in a juicy spot. Yeah, I agree with that. One thing I've been talking about more and more is this idea that like we always talk about like the three-year window in dynasty and i kind of think with running backs outside of the the very good young running backs we should look at a one-year window for dynasty running backs i i I don't want to play the wait and see game they all get injured i i don't know what we're doing at a certain point i'm like hey when i when i'm looking at these random dudes like you don't know who's on like all my dynasty teams right now god i can't get enough samaji p ryan because you know what he like he's free and he's actually going to score some fantasy points probably a lot more fantasy points than like half the running backs ranked ahead of him dynasty like he's actually free throughout a third or fourth round pick you can get him in a lot of leagues for like nothing and i think that's what really what we should be doing especially like dynasty basketball it's like such a slam dunk load up on young receivers with spike week potential get your cd lambs get your your jeffersons or chase if you're lucky enough to have the early pick like load up on those guys it's like them lave drake london down the list down the list down the list i want like five young good receivers if i was in that format absolutely well josh it was absolutely great talking to you here before we uh we exit 
tell everybody again where they can find you and about what you do real quick. Yeah, first, thanks for having me. Let's all try and raise some money for Alzheimer's. You can find me on Twitter at jlarkytweets. You can find all of my work, more importantly, at the33rdteam.com. Work for myself, people like Ryan Reynolds, Jordan Vanek, Alex Grusso. We're all doing stuff for the 33rd team. Uh, I'd say that we're, we're free for this season. And I, I think 